Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. All right. All right. I know what you're after. You want to try me in your newspapers. You want to convict me on the 11 o'clock news. Well, my attorney advises me to make no comment whatsoever. But I'm going to ignore that advice. So turn on your little tape recorders and cameras, ladies and gentlemen of the press. If you want something sensational... Harrison Archer won't disappoint you. If the name and voice of Harrison Archer seem vaguely familiar to you, let me clear up the doubt. Harrison Archer has appeared in almost 50 movies, countless TV dramas, theatrical productions without number, but always as a supporting player. If you saw him, you'd know you'd seen him somewhere before, but you wouldn't know his name. Such is the frustration of the also-ran. Fame and stardom have eluded him. And yet tonight, here is this same Harrison Archer, surrounded by reporters, aglow in the dazzle of TV lights, the center of attention. What he did to attain this prominence is the matter before us tonight in a weird tale of suspense for which I will prepare you with this single reminder. In things theatrical, nothing is what it seems. Our illusion begins in one minute. All right. As you all know, I've been appearing in Irving Coleman's production of Hope of the World. I hope some of you have seen it. It's a marvelous political satire, and we've gone beyond 600 performances with no end in sight. Anyway, the star of the play, of course, is Alexander Gray. His leading lady is the lovely Joanna Wells, and I play a a supporting role. But I play it very well, superbly, to be candid about it. But it is a supporting role. You probably heard the old saying, there are no small parts, only small actors. (laughs) Well, don't you believe it. There are small parts. But I've been content to wait for the right opportunity to come along. For 600 performances, I've understudied Alex Gray. And for 600 shows, he's never once been ill. And then the other day, he broke the news I'd been waiting to hear. I overheard him arguing with Coleman in his dressing room. I didn't want to talk about it now, Irving. We've got to talk about it now. My contract says two years. The two years are up. But we're doing great business. And I'm bored stiff. This television offer is exciting. It's a challenge. TV could kill you, Alex. And so could another year saying the same lines in this theater. If you want more money... I do want more money, but that's not the point. The point is, Irving, I've given you your two years. And now you'll just have to find another lead. What a break. 
Alexander the Great was leaving, and who would be more of a natural to step into his part than yours truly, Harrison Archer? Which is why I got an appointment with Irving Coleman the very next day. Yes, Harrison, it's true. Alex is leaving the show. Well, Mr. Coleman, I want you to know that I'm, uh, I'm ready. Ready? I know the part backward and forward. Every single movement and gesture and expression. Wait, are you asking to play the lead? Well, who else could do it? My dear boy, I understand your ambition. But when I replace Alexander Gray, it will have to be with another name. Give me two weeks in the role and you'll have a new star on your marquee. Oh, I'm sorry, Harrison. Harrison Archer. People know Harrison Archer. You've had a lot of experience over the years, yes. But, Archer, you know as well as I do, you're not a star. The lead in Hope of the World has to be a name, a star. Now, really, I haven't the time to argue with you anymore. But... If you'd just give me the chance... I'm sorry, my boy. I like you right where you are. But have you thought of this angle? Imagine me co-starring with Joanna, my own wife in real life. Harrison, will you please... Think of Lunt and Fontaine. Oh, you have a colossal nerve to compare yourself with Alfred and Lynn. The only reason I've kept you in the company was to humor Alex. To humor Alex... What the devil did he mean by that? He obviously hadn't intended to let that slip, and he almost threw me out of his office. To humor Alex. Alexander Gray hardly knew I was alive. What could it matter to Alexander the Great whether I was in the play or not? I went home earlier than I'd intended. Usually I make the rounds of the agencies on Mondays to scare up an occasional TV commercial, leaving Joanna to herself for a few hours. But after the bout with Coleman, I... uh, But I needed Joanna. I needed to talk to her. As I walked from the bus to the apartment, I noticed a dove gray Bentley drophead coupe parked in front of the apartment house. The elegant car bore the license tag AG. Even without it, of course, I knew it instantly. It belonged to Alexander Gray. At first I thought, why, he's come to see me and offer me his role in the play. But then I thought, no. No, there's some other reason he's here. And so I just waited, waited outside the building, standing near a fire escape stairway so I could watch the door to our apartment without being seen. After nearly an hour, the door finally opened, and out stepped Alexander Gray. He stopped, turned back toward Joanna, and they kissed. A long, lingering kiss. Alex Gray and my wife. And then, of course... It all began to make sense. Of course, Gray would want to keep me playing my miserable little role. Of course, he would want to keep Joanna. This way, he was safe. He and Joanna could keep on meeting, and their love nest would be secure. Perhaps Joanna had insisted on my keeping on in the play as a condition for their affair. It took every shred of self-control and every grain of talent as an actor to walk into my own apartment and not betray the hatred I was feeling. Whom did you expect? Oh, it's you, darling. You're early. Yes. Any luck today? Luck? (laughs) Yes, I had some luck. All of it bad. Oh. Joanna, I've been to see Mr. Coleman. What about? I told him I wanted to play Alex Gray's part when he leaves the show. When he leaves? But don't tell me you haven't heard. Heard what? Alex's two-year contract with Coleman is up, and he's going to do television. Television? 
He's leaving? Don't look so distressed, Joanna. Coleman doesn't plan on any other changes. We'll be working still. But when will Alex be leaving, do you know? No. Well, I wonder who'll get the part. Tell me honestly, Joanna. Don't you think I could play the role of your lover as well as Alex does? What? In the play, my dear. Oh, well, I guess. Yes, of course. You'll be perfect. Well, we could make those love scenes even more realistic, couldn't we? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's right. We could. Well, Coleman won't consider me for the part. Not at all. No. In fact, he said a curious thing. He said the only reason he kept me in the cast was to humor Alex. What do you suppose he meant by that? Ah, that struck home. Joanna's eyes flickered and she looked away. Suddenly, I felt trapped in a web of deceit. I had to get out, get some air, think. It was obvious now that Alex Gray was leaving. Unless, somehow, I could manage to step into his part, at least for one performance, and prove my genius at duplicating the role, my contract wouldn't be renewed. What could I do? Betrayed on every hand. I was walking farther and farther from the parts of the city I was familiar with, and suddenly I found myself standing in front of a strange little shop. The window hadn't been cleaned in years. Through the smudges I saw costumes, suits of armor, shelves filled with... Well, they had to be masks, but at first glance, through the dirty window, they looked like human heads, lined up side by side. There was no name, no sign on the window or door. But for some reason, I felt compelled to go in. So I did. Inside, the odor of dust and mildew was mixed with faint traces of chemicals I couldn't recognize. Not a breath of air stirred. Hello! Anybody here? Pardon, pardon me, I was in back. What can I do for you? The man who appeared out of the shadows was a repelling creature with a misshapen head, too long and tapering. His sloping shoulders were covered with a coarse black cassock, and he couldn't have been more than five feet tall. But his face, the color of a wax candle with red-rimmed eyes, a long, thin nose, and lips that were puffy and red. He was so grotesque, I had to avert my eyes. Is there something you need? What? Uh, oh, I was just walking past, and I I thought I'd stop in. I, I saw the uh, masks on the shelves there. Yes. You make them yourself? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, for what purpose? For what purpose? Uh, well, yes, Halloween, uh, costume parties. I make my masks for anyone who requires an illusion. Well, they're remarkable. Remarkable. Here, let me, let me show you one close up so you may examine it. Here. There. It, it even feels like skin. How do you do it? A secret process. Here, would you like to try it on? Well, I don't know. Who's it supposed to be? This mask is just a man I used to know. Here, slip it on. I'll show you something. Well, all right. Over the chin first, like this? Yes, fine. This won't be a perfect fit, of course, but you'll get the idea. There, now look in the mirror. Good heavens. <laughs> now smile. Go ahead. The, the mask smiles with me. Exactly.
Exactly. And it frowns. Yes. It registers every expression, just as if it were my own face. The illusion. It's fantastic. Fantastic. May I make one for you? For me? I don't have any use for a mask. Or have I? Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Give me one of your cards. I don't have cards. The name is Lazarus. Well, then, I'll write down your name and address. You can remember me. You can find my shop again, if you need me. People always do. And that was when the whole plot suddenly took shape in my imagination. Lazarus had provided me with a perfect modus operandi, as they say. With his help and my own skill as an actor, I was about to kill two birds with one stone. consider me for the lead in the play, and then when I found out Alex Gray was seeing my wife, my whole world collapsed around me. All I could think of was self-pity. But then, another emotion swept everything else away. Revenge. Somehow, I would have revenge on these trusted people who had hurt me so much. I made certain arrangements, the first of which was my reason for another visit to Lazarus the Mask Maker. Come to the point, please. I'm very busy. I, uh, I have to know if I can trust you to be discreet. In my line of work, it's discretion or I'm finished. Very well. I'll, I'll have to trust you. Lazarus, take a look at these photos. Mm-hmm. They're all of the same man. Mm-hmm. Can you make a mask that exactly duplicates his face? Of course. Good. I need it by no later than next Monday. Very well. Um, how much will it be? Two hundred dollars. Two hundred. Yes, well... All right. I'll be back Monday. Not so fast, please. I have to know who's going to wear this mask. Why do you have to know that? I have to measure the features of the face so the mask will fit perfectly. Oh, I see. Can you produce the person who will wear the mask? I'm the person. Very well. Have a seat and I shall proceed with the measuring. Lazarus painstakingly measured the distance between my eyes, the length, width, and depth of my nose, ears, cheekbones, and forehead. When he was finished, he walked me to the door of his shop. I'm sure my mask will suit your purpose admirably. And uh, you'll forget about ever making the mask? My amnesia is included in the price tag. Now it was time for me to set up the rest of my little plot. I paid a visit to the property room at the theater, then to Alexander Gray's dressing room. After that, home to my dear and faithful wife. Uh, Joanna, since we don't have any performances on Monday, what do you say we go for a trip somewhere? Maybe upstate? Just the two of us? Oh? Well, that sounds fun, only... Yes? Well, you see, I promised a girlfriend I'd go and help her pick out some furniture... She's furnishing a new apartment. Oh, anyone I know? I don't think so, dear. Well, that's a disappointment. But maybe uh, I'll just use the time to check out a few more agencies. Yes, dear, why don't you do that? The lying cat. I could see right through her alibi. But it made me all the more determined to go through with my plan. Of course, I knew where she'd be Monday. With Alexander the Great... 
And for once, that's exactly where I wanted her to be. At last, Monday arrived, and I gave Joanna plenty of time. Time to call Alex Gray and tell him I was gone for the day so he could come over. And then, I put the rest of my scenario into action. Coleman's luxurious suite was across town. I went into a clothing store, pretending to be shopping for a suit, and slipped into a dressing room where I changed out of my own clothes and slipped into a hideous pair of Alexander Gray's lemon-colored slacks, a black turtleneck sweater and a leather jacket, even a pair of Gucci loafers, all purloined from his dressing room at the theater. And then I put on the mask Lazarus had made for me. It was incredible to look at myself in the mirror and see the face of Alex Gray looking back. And now Alexander Gray emerged from the store. (laughs) The illusion was perfect. The slight swagger, the purposeful stride, the left hand in the trouser pocket, exactly as Gray had done it a thousand times. And then the imperious flagging down of a taxi cab. The driver's double take assured me the impersonation was going to be a snap. Hey, you're Alexander Gray. Why, that's right. It's a real honor, Mr. Gray. I see you a lot on TV, but I ain't seen you in the play that you're in now. Well, you better hurry. I'm leaving the play shortly. Yeah? Going to make a movie. No kidding. Hey, you wouldn't happen to have any pasteboards on you, would you? Tickets to your play? Three tickets? Sorry. I sat back in the cab and gloated. Lazarus's workmanship and my acting skill would be triumphant, no doubt about it. But now, now, the real test. I took the elevator to the 34th floor. As the door slid open, I checked for the final time. Yes, the little nickel-plated Derringer from Alexander Gray's makeup kit was snug in the pocket of my slacks. If I managed everything as well as I had up to this moment, there would certainly be no doubt about how Irving Coleman was killed and by whom he was killed. I rang the doorbell. After a long wait, Coleman's servant, Tracy, opened the door. Oh, good morning, Mr. Gray. Good morning, Tracy. I have to see Mr. Coleman. Yes, sir. I, would you make yourself comfortable in the study and I'll tell Mr. Coleman you're here. I'm sure he'll be with you directly. So, I'd fool Tracy, too. This was going to be easy. But just ahead now was my greatest performance. At last, in came Irving Coleman. Alex, my boy, how are you? How am I? How can you ask me that after what you've done? What? I've come here to settle things with you, Irving. But everything's settled. You double-crossing liar. What are you talking about? And keep your voice down, for heaven's sake. Now get this and get it straight, Coleman. I'm leaving the play, and nothing you can do is going to change that. Alex, I... You're going to get it now, Coleman. You've had this coming for a long time. Alex. Alex, sir. Coleman's apartment had down two flights of stairs, then took an elevator to the lobby. I kept running out to the sidewalk. People were staring now. Witnesses, just as I hoped. Witnesses who would later testify that they had seen Alexander Gray running from the apartment building moments after Tracy had heard the threats and the gunshot. An airtight case against Alexander Gray. Again, I hailed a cab, which took me to the theater. There, I exchanged Gray's clothes for my own, wiped the Derringer clean of my prints, and buried it in one of Gray's trunks. I was just turning to go when... Harrison, Harrison, aren't you in the wrong dressing room, old man? Gray, why, 
What are you doing here? Well, shouldn't I be asking that of you? Oh, I thought you'd be... I thought you'd be with my wife, as you usually are on Monday. What's this nonsense? I know about you and Joanna. Oh, uh, what do you know? I know it's been going on behind my back. You do? Well, it was all going to come out tonight anyway. Irving is going to have a little celebration for you and Joanna. Irving? You mean Coleman? Yes, after I convinced him that you are the natural replacement for me in the play, he wanted me? to... Me? You convinced Coleman? Well, it was Joanna's idea, actually. She had me over to your place last Monday while you were out. And I tell you, Archer, Joanna is absolutely your greatest fan. She hoped you wouldn't find out I was leaving the cast until I could convince Coleman to put you in the leading role. Wanted the whole thing to be a great surprise for you. When I agreed to it, she was so grateful, she threw arms around me and kissed me as I was leaving. Darn fine girl, that wife of yours. And now you'll be co-starring with her. Could be the start of big things for both of you, old boy. What had I done? Coleman was dead. Dead before he could give me the lead in the play. And in minutes, the police would arrest Alexander Gray for his murder. Only... It didn't work out that way. When the police arrived, they took me. They took me to Lazarus Mask Shop. Yes. Yes, he's the one who bought the Alexander Gray mask. You can't prove that. I think I can. You see, Mr. Archer, I know exactly where you've been today. Inspector, permit me. Go ahead, Mr. Lazarus. You changed clothes in the Seville Men's Shop on East 42nd, and then you took a taxi. Hey, you wouldn't happen to have any pasteboards on you, would you? It was a mask. It was you. And then you went to Coleman's apartment, where you had to wait for some time for Tracy to answer the door. And when he did... Won't you make yourself comfortable in the study? Uh, and I'll tell Mr. Coleman you're here. No, no. You couldn't have been him, too. And then when you began your finest performance, Mr. Archer, I gave my finest performance as Irving Coleman... Alex, my boy, how are you? Uh, but you're supposed to be dead. I mean, Coleman is supposed to be dead. Yeah. I shot him. Yes, you did. With Alex Gray's blank cartridge pistol. Mr. Coleman is still very much alive. And that's my statement. You have it all, do you? Where... where? Where did they go? Where are the reporters? Let's try to keep it quiet, Mr. Archer. Where are the reporters? All gone, Mr. Archer. All gone. Now let's quiet down. The other patients are trying to sleep. I warned you at the beginning. I call this whole thing an illusion. Now it's for you to decide how much of the illusion was real and how much was playing inside Harrison Archer's head. I'll be back in a minute with the names of tonight's players and a scene from next week's program. Masks featured Howard Hall as Harrison Archer, Joan Norton as Joanna Archer, John B. Hughes as Irving Coleman, and Robert O. Smith as Lazarus and everybody else. Our engineer was Carney Barton, script and production by yours truly, Jim French and Pat French. The program was recorded at Audio Recording Incorporated. Be with us next week for another crisis. Mm-hmm.